From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Hannah Elliott. And this is Hot Pursuit. All right. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a number of things, but really it's all centered, I think, around the idea of a concept car, like developing, designing, and then the journey um, to production, right? Because Hannah, you wrote a story about the coolest concept cars of the year. And of course, one of the concept cars that's fascinated even non-car people the most over the past four uh, years has been the Cybertruck, and that's now actually in production. And I also want to talk about some of the other cool cars that went from concept to production that we're going to be able to buy next year, and some of them you actually have driven. So, for example, the Celestique, I think of as one of those moments where a car maker has really swung for the fences, right? I don't know if it was a miss. I don't know if it's a hit, but it definitely looks different. Let's kick it off with that story. What are the coolest concept cars of 2023? Are there any that others would have noticed besides like you and me? Yeah, I think so. I think people have probably heard of the Porsche Mission X. This is the concept that will probably lead to the 918 successor. So, of course, the Porsche 918 came out 10 years ago. We've been waiting for quite some time for a successor to that great sports car, supercar, if you want. So Porsche has finally released the Mission X, which it is saying, you know, this is a concept, of course, but it will probably be the 918. 18 successor. It looks super cool to me. It looks like something that would race, you know, Le Mans. It looks kind of like a 917, some of those old race cars. Um, It is electric. They're saying that they're going to put it on the Nürburgring and, you know, it'll beat all records uh, in the segment. So um, there's a lot riding on it. I mean, I think it looks pretty cool. I actually prefer the 918, but a lot of times for me, concept cars go a little too far. The thing with this one Mm -hmm. is I feel like it reaches back to the Carrera GT in the way that the cockpit seems like someone shoved it way up front, you know, and I'm not a fan of the Carrera GT. I know that a lot of people think it's the most amazing car. It was like the first thing Doug DeMuro did when he sold his website and got $3 million was take a million of it and go buy a Carrera GT, like literally the first thing he did. But to me, the 918 really, it's tough to beat that car. Yeah, I like that car a lot. I actually got to drive that car up the hill at Goodwood, which was crazy. And I say this because if only to prove it's easy to drive. It looks wild, but it, it honestly is a really easy car to drive. And to your point about the Carrera GT, I have not driven one of those, and I hear they're really difficult to drive with a really, really short, touchy clutch. So I might agree with you. I would like to drive a Carrera GT, but um, the 918 is really, I think, one for the ages. 
Agreed. Another car on this list, Matt, that I think you might like, because I know you like BMW, is this BMW Concept Touring Coupe. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because it's not electric. And most of the cars on this uh, concept car list are electric. But this one is going to come with a six-cylinder engine, BMW says, if it if they make it. Um, and it really looks like the clown shoe. Yes. Uh, which I feel like you're going to have strong feelings about. I don't know if you I'm a huge fan. hate it. Okay, there love, we go. Love, love, love. And here, but here's my thing with that. I applaud them for doing this. I don't know why they haven't had the cojones to release an M3 um, wagon in the U.S. I guess no, that's not fair. I guess they probably ran the numbers and figured it just wouldn't sell. But it's like the car every car enthusiast has wanted forever, and the Europeans get one. And okay, but anyway, this is not that. This is more of a bread <laughs> van, um, like the Ferrari FF, which I like. My heart Great. beats for that car. Yes. I probably would much rather have that than this, though, because this one kind of looks like when they first did the M3, they did the M coupe version of it. And to me, this one looks a little bit too much like that. And my problem with that has always been they're just like too small and diminutive. I want more of a Z8 size D3. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. Maybe this will be. I'm I'm just looking at the pictures. I don't know the dimensions of it. Yeah. Um, It does look bigger than the Z3. M coupe, which I think that's what that's what that was called, the Z3 M coupe. Yes, is the first one they did that kind of looked like this. I've always thought these cars look really kind of silly, like exactly like a clown shoe. <laughs> it's not really my style at all, but it is the type of car that I at least respect because I feel like it does have precedence, it does have heritage, they drive great, and at least it's a strong point of view. It's not really my taste or my point of view, but I can respect it for what it is. The old Ferrari bread van. Is yeah, like that, right? And, completely. Um, There's a precedent for yes. sure. And pe- yeah. people like that. Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, so other cars on this list, another historic one, um, ca- well, kind of historic, is Mercedes made this concept called the Vision 111. And this was oh, yeah. sort of a modern take on their historic C111 supercar from the 70s. That is this that really cool orange coupe with the gullwing doors that you might have seen out and about. I actually have driven that car. They let me drive it one year at Pebble Beach and it was really fun and really scary because I think it's the only one they they let out of the museum. But I really kind of did like the fact that Mercedes is doing a modern take on an old car again. I can't imagine that they would actually bring this concept into production. You know, often concepts are design studies that really are just like showing off in a way. But I would love it if they made this. I think it looks really cool. I couldn't agree more. This is one of those concept cars that looks so good, I expect they won't make it or it (laughs) won't look like that because it just looks too good to be at all comfortable to drive or at all practical or at all safe. I mean, it looks like there's a toy maker that makes very kind of plain uh, sports car toys for kids. It's the kind of thing that Ted Gushi would buy, right? Yes. And post it on Instagram. Our dear friend Ted. <laughs> um, and it's like a $300 toy car that doesn't really do anything except for sit on your desk as a paperweight. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And it, this kind of reminds me of that. It also reminds me of my favorite concept car ever was the Audi Nanook. Google it. If you don't okay. know it, do yourself a favor. I think it is the most badass Audi. And a lot of other cars have attempted this look. It's kind of reminiscent of when Lamborghini first did a concept, hybrid concept. 
it just looks so strong and muscular. And of course, it looks so good that Audi never made anything that looks remotely like it. Yeah. And that's my worry about the Mercedes uh, 111 as well. Yeah, I can totally see that. And another one I would put in that category while we're on the topic of Audi is their Active Sphere concept, which I thought was really cool because it changes from a basically kind of a, like SUV into a pickup. Like the back shifts open, which I think is a very cool. Oh, it, it actually idea. looks like Nanook as well. Right, it, it really does. That yeah, and so maybe maybe there's like a thread of DNA that is combining the two because I think it's a really good idea. It seems like hey, if the Cybertruck can be made, they can make this, and I think this looks way better. <laughs> In the Cybertruck. Yeah. A, a few times people have tried to make a car that's a pickup truck, right? Starting yeah. probably with the El, El Camino. Camino. Yeah. Of course. Um, and then the, I think the Subaru Brat was one. Uh-huh. And I think... Ranchero. Yes. The and Ranchero. I think Hyundai, Kia, they have one as well. And you, you're tempted to always put uh, rear-facing seats in the bed so that yep. kids can ride around back there, but it's super <laughs> dangerous. I think this Audi looks awesome. I wish that Thank they you. would do something like that, and I, I feel like they have the worst design of the big three German luxury car makers, like Mercedes, mm. Audi, and Volkswagen. Audi seems to be the most... Bl- They've taken bland to an extent yes. where they just can't get back. You know, yeah. With the exception of the Q8 which I think takes a lot from this concept or maybe gives a lot to, to this concept. Their, their other vehicles are just so bland and you know, boring and soulless. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was sort of in that same vein. But I have to say, when I drove that SQ8 recently in Malibu, it did feel like a little bit of a exhale because I feel like BMW and Mercedes are both kind of getting wild uh in their own separate directions and yeah Audi for me was feeling a bit stale but for whatever reason when I was in actually in an Audi it honestly felt a little bit like a relief like I'm not being bombarded with something that screams whatever brand this is you know at all turns and in a way it actually felt oh this is relaxing. I can actually. So you're talking about bit. the the electric version of the yes. Q8, right? Yeah. Because I think the gas the version of the Q8 looks more aggressive and more muscular. The electric version I also drove, not the S version that you drove, but I, I drove the base model. And I thought it was understated, it was elegant, and it mm-hmm. was just so solid that mm-hmm. I thought, well, at least, you know, if they don't have like breathtaking design, at least they have like sincere quality. Yes, you know? I completely agree. It's just the kind of thing that you could imagine would you could have forever. There's yeah. no reason it's not going to break. Um, right. Even if someone hits it, it's probably going to be okay. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least that's what it looks and looks and feels like. I'm not sure that's that's the case. Listen, there's something about these concept cars. Um, there's a few things that they always have that they never bring to market. Right, like they don't have door handles. Right? Oh, yeah. Minor detail. You uh, don't need to get in the car, do you? Isn't that a lot I mean, of concept cars don't have door handles, <laughs> yeah, right? That's true. Or um, also side mirrors. I feel like those are often. True. Well, they don't have off. to anymore, thanks to Audi. Like, if, if well, the DOT would allow that, it would be sweet. Yes, it would. Also, I think a lot of the head and tail lights on concepts aren't actually, don't meet federal regulations. True, probably. Yep. Even though they look cool. And Audi does talk a lot about how they have a particular style of light and the name is escaping me, but 
that they want to put in all their cars, but it, it doesn't meet the matrix uh, LEDs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And like, I don't understand with that. And Porsche has the same thing. Um, BMW has laser light. I don't understand why you would upspec that on a U.S. car since they're not allowed to activate the technology on a U.S. car, but you can still pay extra for the option even though you don't yeah, get it. That seems like a little bit of overly optimistic. I spend too much thinking. time on configurators. <laughs> From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. One of the concepts we have to talk about is the Cybertruck now was a concept. It's been released and it looks pretty much the same way it did. This is a couple of weeks ago to, I guess, great fanfare or was it kind of a... I think it was great fanfare. Was it? Really, yeah. Much anticipated. Yeah. I, I mean, everyone I knew was talking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. True. And yeah. I keep thinking about it. Now, one of the things that's interesting is they also had, uh, Elon Musk had to show people how to open the door. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. What there's like a but- he, he kept saying like, no, you just push this button. <laughs> uh, just push this button. People are like, hey, how do Elon, nice. Thanks for the car. How do I open the door? Just push this button, dude. Oh. Um, but they did get really close to the concept. Now, whether you like it or don't like it, you have to, I think, um, applaud them for actually doing it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think it's cool that it does look pretty much exactly like the concept they debuted. We do know some updates on it. You know, the base version is going to cost just over $60,000, which is a lot more expensive than they had initially said. Um, I think the first prices were in the 40s. To be fair, Ford did the same thing with the Lightning. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty standard. And Elon is being pretty opaque about deliveries for 2024. So I think really we're kind of looking at a 2025 model year when we might start to actually see them proliferating on the road. But Bloomberg had a story about how they've completely sold out on the stickers that look like the cracked glass yes. <laughs> of the infamous debut. Those are sold out. You know, I, I just went online and looked and saw that all of the toy and model Cybertrucks are sold out. I'm sure those will make great Christmas presents. Ah, the, the, so, the bottle opener and the yes. cyber beer. Yes. So I have to think that there is still a lot of excitement about it. I do think if you're somebody who had, number one, if you're someone who had a Cybertruck delivered, please reach out to me. I would love to talk with you about your new purchase and even drive it. And I promise I will give it a really fair and honest review. And number two, I think that if you did buy one, you kind of need to own it because you're going to get... Some hecklers. Yes. I th- right? I think you're probably right. Like, uh, people are going to s- make comments, whether you hear them or not, because you'll be in yes. your truck. Um, sure. And I can't wait to see it either, not just drive it, but also experience what it's going to be like inside. I hope it's not too Spartan. I hope it's the kind of thing that impresses me. It would be nice if it impressed me the way the Audi impressed you. 
you know, yeah. or yes. impress both of us. Like with quality, that would be amazing. But I don't, yes. I don't know. Before they released it, everyone was talking about the panel gaps and, you know, if it snowed too much on the bumper, then your <laughs> headlights would be obscured. <laughs> Obviously, the doors are hard to open and you can't actually throw like a small cannonball at it. Like the, they broke the window the first time by throwing a, a little metal ball and then this time they threw like a baseball. It's not really the same thing. What um, do you think about the wraps on it? Have you seen these pictures of, well, of the wraps? Well, I think they should have someone do a good job at wrapping it because I have seen bad wraps on it already. <laughs> Is there such thing as a good wrap? I don't think so, no, to be have honest. Have you ever you. wrapped any of your cars? No, never. Would you? Yeah, I would uh, in certain circumstances, you know, for specific reasons. Um, you know, when you're trying to find a bargain on Auto Trader or whatever and the white ones always come up. Yes. I don't yeah. want a white car, but if I could get like a sweet 911 for a discount and it was white, maybe I would I don't think I would wrap it. I would still just live with it. Um because wraps don't look good, do they? I don't think so. I think it's really hard to do them well. I think maybe part of the problem is there are so many poorly wrapped cars out there. Um it's possible that it's kind of like cosmetic surgery. The good stuff, you don't even know it's been done. Right. But then you see the bad stuff and you're like, oh, that doesn't look very Right. And it's good. like, if you want a really good wrap, you're going to start to pay the price you would for a right. crappy paint job. Right. So, like, why not just get a paint yeah. job and then get a good paint job? It's kind of like wigs, right? I can't deal when a dude wears a wig because, and I get that's a personal choice. I'm not really knocking him, but you got to either own it. Right. Or mm-hmm. they have a hair transplants now that are very good. Just go to Istanbul or whatever and, and do a good hair transplant. You I know, they're so painful. Yeah, but Don't probably worth it. I mean, look at Elon Musk has amazing <laughs> hair. His hair is the most gorgeous part of him. And remember when he bought the F1, the McLaren F1, yeah, and they sure. made a video for like 60 minutes or Good Morning America or something. And he was as bald as I am. In that video, like yeah. I, he hadn't shaved his head. He was still letting his hair grow. My hair would look like that if I let it grow out. Now he has better yeah. hair than Bradley Cooper's. Like it's amazing. I do feel like he's had some sort of style treatment or makeover. I think he looks great. It, yeah, it, it's calculated and considered. And I, you know, I did a cover story uh, with Elon back when I worked at Forbes and was around him quite a bit, was at his home. And he was not quite as polished on the clothing side (laughs) as he is now and the hair. Yeah. So yeah, there's certainly been some evolution. He's a good looking dude now. And I just don't (laughs) think he was back then. So, and and by the way, I'm not saying he had any kind of uh, plastic surgery beyond no, the hair no. transplant, but maybe age just did right by him because he doesn't look like he had surgery. It's not the kind of thing where, you know, you're watching season three of Arrested Development and then all of a sudden in season four, you're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the cars. Uh, the Cybertruck, it'll be, I both of us want to drive it. And yeah. I think you're right. It's probably going to be a while. There are going to be some awesome cars coming out Ooh. next year. Yes. And some of them you've already driven. And one, the Celestique, I just have to ask your thoughts on it, because I don't know much about it, but it's a weird-looking car, right? I'm really, I'm really sorry to tell you, I haven't driven it. Oh. I, I wish I have driven I've written about it, but I haven't driven it. I Are guess you-, you drove another electric Cadillac, then. Oh, I drove the Lyric. Oh, okay. I, I so, did drive the Lyric, yes. So, so they the have bad names, let's yeah, just face well, it. Well, they're easily forgettable and, and Well, they sound like pharmaceuticals, right? <laughs> Celestique sounds like something you would take that is maybe for a depression. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
You're not sure what it's for. They don't tell you in the commercial what it's for. You just oh. need to take the pill. No, yeah. so you've driven an electric Cadillac. I've driven, yes, I've driven the Lyric, which I believe I said in the review, and I have to go back to look at the specifics, but it's not worth waiting for. At the time, they had they, it was very, very early on, and I knew there were a bunch of e-trons and you know, EQs, e-trons from Audi and EQs from Mercedes. And I, I think that basically the bulk, the bulk of the review on the Lyric was, this is one isn't worth waiting for. It's not quite on par with other things you can get. The Celestic now is Cadillac's attempt to make something that would be on par with Rolls-Royce, which they're very <laughs> specific and adamant about saying. And I think that's quite, quite a big ask and a big jump. I've asked to drive that car. They don't have any drivable yet. I'm looking forward to driving it. The styling, like you say, is polarizing, I think. Yeah, it's- for sure. It's got that big <laughs> greenhouse in the back. Yeah. And it looks like <laughs> I think Maserati has done stuff like that in the past. Uh, Jensen um, had like a huge window back there. Yeah. I, I don't think I love it, but I, I think I have to see it in person and maybe live with it for a little bit before I can make a call on that. But look, a lot of times these big American automakers set out to, like with Ferrari and Ford, right? They set out to mm-hmm. defeat a rival, a European rival at a certain thing. Yes. And the GT40 was very successful. I definitely want to drive the electric Escalade. That is something that I really think has legs because the Escalade is such an icon and really is a well-made, well-appointed vehicle that knows exactly who the audience is and really delivers what it promises. So to have an electric version of that, um, I have seen the electric version of it in person and it looks cool. It looks like an Escalade. I would really like to drive that. The Celestic, I think, is a, is a bigger reach. We'll put a pin in the Celestic. On the Escalade, I agree also because I like big trucks. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in New York, so it's not so much about sports cars around here since the fastest <laughs> you can legally drive in the city now is, I, I think it's even only 25. But anyway, I get tickets a lot. The Escalade looks to me like an Escalade sport. Like somebody from Land Rover came over and was like, yeah, just do this and that and this, you know, and it's a a win. I think it's a great looking truck. It's big and beefy, probably weighs nine or 10,000 pounds. They probably won't tell us, right? Right. How much it weighs yet. Right. But they can beat everybody else at the range game. Yeah, they can. And I don't know why other car makers just don't bite the bullet like GM has, you know, put a big battery in there. And yeah. the thing can go like 450 miles. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what Tesla's doing with the Cybertruck. You've got to point, add the Mophie, though, in the back, right? You've got to... You're right. They have a clip-on battery that you put in the truck bed. in In the Cybertruck, yeah. You know, they're saying that that is one of the reasons for this delay, that it's very difficult to upgrade from a 400-volt to an 800-volt infrastructure. Maybe that's part of the reason more pe- fewer people don't do it. Yeah. I don't know, but I just know that the Escalade is going to use an 800-volt architecture, and they've nailed it on the range thing across the brand uh, offering that they have. So the Silverado EV will have over 400 miles of range. The GMC Hummer, that thing is a beast. I mean, I don't think I would like what it says about me if I bought one and drove it around, but I would like to drive one around. Um, I think you need one, for sure. <laughs> Maybe I'll buy a used one that's been in a wreck. Because it needs to get it. beat up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'll wrap it, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to driving the uh, Escalade IQ. 
as well. Um, the other thing I'm wondering about is the Revuelto. I can't say it, but it's the new Lamborghini oh. to succeed the Aventador. I've driven like every single Aventador. It's my number one favorite like car probably of all time. Awesome. Cool. I was looking at used ones the other day. They don't drop below like 750 but what is the deal with this new one? Is it going to be a hybrid? I guess it'll have a 48-volt system Yes. for the electric. Yeah. Yes, and I think this is also playing into the Lanzador, which is the electric concept that Lamborghini showed this year. I mean, they're, they're trying to get their ducks in a row to, to come out with something fully electric. This is the hybrid version. It's like, still going to have a V12. Let's yeah. not forget. Like, I don't have yes. a problem with hybrids like a 918, right? If it's got an awesome gas engine and then you also put some electric power, that's, to me, the way forward for a sports car, supercar Completely. Maker. Like we've just discussed many times. Honestly, maybe you're kind of convincing me because it is in a way you'll get instant torque, but then yep. you get a, over a thousand horsepower. You still have the 12 cylinder engine. It's still a Lamborghini. It's obviously going to look and drive like a Lamborghini. Personally, I think Lamborghinis are awesome, but I, as a woman, can get away without looking like a jerk as <laughs> easily, you know, easier than a lot of people. When I drive one, I like to unbutton <laughs> a few, you know, let the chest hair out, and I, I borrow a gold chain. Oh, good. That's the nice right touch. look. Um, <laughs> no, I, that's, I joke uh, around, but yeah, they say it's for like self-made people. That's what they always say. Yeah, I, um, I like it. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. There's one other car that I want to talk about that I really want to drive next year, and that's that um, Mustang, the Ford Mustang GTD. And that was their... $300,000 Mustang that they showed earlier this summer. It's going to be like 800 horsepower. And that was the car that they're saying is kind of inspired by the Porsche racing program and by Porsche GT3 cars and GT2 cars. I am not a fan of the styling, but who cares? I really want to drive it. I think it could be awesome. And I like the fact that Ford's really going for it and they're making no bones about the fact that yeah we're inspired by what porsche's done and we want to we want some of that yeah we're going to do this i mean benchmarking a 911 is something that a lot of car makers will do i talked to jim farley about this in 2015 when they were putting out that mustang yeah he said they were benchmarking the 911 i was talking to him about the boss 302 at the time but they also have the gt500 i love mustangs I prefer the the even previous generation to that. That when they, mm. 2000, I think 12 to 2014, Boss 302 is what I would get. But I would be happy just driving the dark horse, to be honest oh, with you, yeah. or just that, the GT. Cool. Like, yeah. And by the way, there's no hybrid version of this yet. <laughs> It'll be cool when they have one. With all these cars that still have gas engines, I'm glad because it st will still be fun. I feel like with the electric cars, you know, the Cybertruck 
um, beats the 911, they said when they released it, um, 0 to 60 and on the quarter mile while towing a 911, which is very cool and very funny. But is it really going to be that fun to do 0 to 60 in an electric car? I haven't like driven any of the supercars, electric cars. I know the, like the Lucid Air Sapphire with mm-hmm. 1,234 horsepower does 0 to 60 in 1.89 seconds, which is mind boggling. But is it really as cool without the vibes and the smells? Because I've been driving a lot of electric, lower level electric cars this year that go super fast, and it's fun the first, you know, couple of days. But after a week, it's like not fun. Yeah, I think there are multiple factors at play. The first thing is we know that sound and speed do not go hand in hand because we all know that guy that's uh, doing 20 miles an hour and making a ton of noise, you know, (laughs) driving through the neighborhood. So like these are not necessarily correlated. So it doesn't really bother me when people say that we won't have the sound of an engine, you know, well, sound and speed really don't necessarily correlate. Speed is exciting. And when you're being pushed back into your seat by instant acceleration, that is really fun and exciting, but you do kind of tend to get used to it. And then you just expect it. And it kind of like disappears into the background as something normal. It's exciting, but I don't think there's a relationship as much. It's more of an appliance that works really well. It's not a relationship that you'd have with a car that is constantly giving feedback you yeah, know, through, point. through a lot of tangible, different sensory uh, experiences. It's more of a one-sided yes, conversation. It, it's a quick appliance, yeah. and that's, that's fun. That is fun. But it's not as much of a conversation. There are two cars that we're going to be able to get next year, I think, where it doesn't matter. One, because it's not electric at all, the Ineos Grenadier, which is basically a Defender. And the other one is the Volkswagen ID Buzz. It Mm -hmm. is electric, but no one cares if it goes fast. The bus also had very tiny, less than two liter motors. That's not what it was for. But I'm curious to know your take on it. On the ID Buzz, Hannah, because it's kind of dorky, right? And yes. it's it's not cool, but it could be fun and very useful, right? How is that fun to you? Well, because you can put more people, you can go camping. Like it's more of um, a tool or like a toy to use for other things than necessarily driving the way you or I like think about driving. You know, I mean, an RV isn't fun in the sense that you know, a 911 is, or even like an S-Class, but it's got its purposes. So you're like, you can live out of it. Yes, but it looks like a minivan. Yeah, you're right. That's the problem. I can't unsee. It's just like a mini, a two-tone minivan. You're not wrong. (laughs) So I'm at a stage in my life where I'm doing anything I can to avoid buying a minivan. (laughs) But I actually need a minivan. No, but I'm not going to. BMW, listen to Matt. He needs his wagon over here. Um, We need it. Well, my idea for BMW is more along the lines of a 7 Series. But, okay, so the other one is the Ineos Grenadier, which I think is really interesting. So a billionaire who I think made the Dyson, or he made his fortune that way, and he has a chemical company, Jim Ratcliffe, a chemical company called Ineos. He loved the Land Rover Defender so much that when they put it out to pasture, he was like, wait, I'm going to make this. I'm going to keep it alive, and I'm going to make it even better Have you heard anything about it? No, and I'm literally furiously Googling it now, and it looks cool, and I see that he did something with George Russell, so people know about it. I guess I've missed the boat on this. So there's so many cool little tidbits of news that have come out over the past few weeks. He's going to produce it in the U.S. We've known for a while, but he finally chose a place, I think, 
in the Carolinas. I don't know why everyone goes there to build cars. Sounds like we're going to the Carolinas. He also um, has chosen a dealership network. So I think they have the initial 20 dealers that they, they announced in October. And you can already configure it on the on the website, which is ineosgrenadier.com. And I was doing that. I recommend that you do also if you like the Defender, because Defenders look awesome, and they're so utilitarian, but... You know, they're dogs. This is going to be a Defender, a real Defender, with a BMW inline six. Oh. And with a ZF eight speed. Oh. So, okay. A, that's awesome. And then when you're building it, I noticed that you can choose not only the color of the you know exterior, like the paint, but you can also choose the frame color, the ladder frame. That's cool. And you can kind of like see it sticking out the bottom. It's awesome. That's like cool. I go under on the configurator on the under contrast ladder frame and I made a blue grenadier and I put a red ladder frame and then you can just see cool. it peeking out the bottom. But I like that it's like a detail on a suit or something that you just barely like totally. stitching or a lining or a piping or the something. buttonholes. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. like it's like getting a different color buttonhole on your suit. That's cool. I see the vision and I see they've got some locations on the West Coast. I got to I got to reach out to these guys. Highly recommend. Cool. Highly recommend checking it out cuz I cool. won't be able to and I you probably will. So Well, it, I mean we will we'll share in our research. This looks very cool actually. So, I guess that does it for this week. Next week we have something really cool coming, at least I assume because you're going on a a, a nice trip to drive something yeah. amazing. Yeah, I'm going to drive the 911 ST up through the redwoods. Hopefully we'll get some twisties there. That'll be really fun, and I'll have a full report when I get back next week. Nice. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, We will be back same time, same place. Download our podcast wherever you get yours, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you can go to Bloomberg.com and find us there. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Hannah Elliott. And this is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.